This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Good morning, everybody. I just want to encourage you as well to sign up at the info desk or go to our website. You'll be able to sign up there as well. Speak to your life group leader or your community leader. And we'd love for you to sign up for that. Also want to remind you just of our Get Connected that's happening this morning straight after the celebration. You can go straight through to the boardroom. That's right through um, both sets of doors. On your way to the, the, where the bathrooms are, on the left-hand side is a glass door. We have contacted all of you. Uh, there's some muffins and cappuccinos waiting for you straight after the celebration. We'd love to connect with you there. Friends, we are starting our new series, Winsome. Yeah. Are you ready for it? Are you excited? I have been like, I've been so, so expectant just for what God is going to do uh, in and through our lives, and especially in this season, because friends, I don't know if you realize there's something of the, the reality or the journey that God has been on with us. Uh, often I think we can go through so, go th- so much of our lives and, and miss some of the key moments. Are you someone that journals or takes some notes of what God has been speaking to you or just in your, in your quiet time? Because often I've found that when I look back at some of the things God's been speaking, uh, I can, wait a minute, Lord, you've been speaking and, and touching and highlighting certain aspects, and I haven't actually even taken note of that. And I want to encourage you to make that part of your regular practice, asking the Lord Jesus uh, just to help you through that. As a community, as, an, as a church, we've been on this journey from the beginning of the year. We had our gifted uh, series. Remember the campaign we ran together? We had our, our time through um, the book of Isaiah, looking at stretch out uh, over Easter where we had this, this is our theme for the year. God wants us to stretch out. He wants us to prepare to understand that it's from the gospel of Jesus and through the gospel of Jesus that you and I are actually able to do that. And friends, I, I want to, just as we've been going through this last series, Planted for Splendor, which really speaks about us actually coming to understand what do we have together. If we want to be the planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor, then we need to be willing to understand what has God revealed and how do I align myself with God. And in this series, in this season, as I share with us this morning, we're going to be studying the book of Jonah together. And I don't know, anybody would love to see revival in, this, in their lifetime, okay? Many of us talk about revival and we think about, yeah, that stuff that happened in 1907, you know, this, this revival, that Welsh revival, revivals that happened all over. And, and sometimes our view of, of revival is, you know, week-long meetings, meetings that go on and on and on, and then eventually the God channel pitches up and there's cameras in action and everybody's just watching and people are flying from all over to catch what's happening. That's some of our ideas of, of revival. Our revival thinking is, is you know, um, meetings or celebrations that just carry on forever. We're just all on the floor. God is in the house. We are experiencing God's power and presence which it is, it's part of, of that, but it is not the full extent of revival. I believe that just like the book of Acts, remember friends, as a church, we want to be a New Testament expression. In other words, what we see in the Bible is what we want to live. If, if something happened in the scriptures, then we want to say, Lord, we're hungry for it. And if you've read the, the book of Acts, looked at the New Testament church, and seen just how God moved amongst them, we see Signs, wonders, miracles. We see people getting saved. We get see people being healed. We're seeing families restored. We're seeing people being snatched out of darkness and brought into light. It's, it, we just see so many amazing realities. And friends, for us as a church, we believe that that's what we want to contend for. 
That is what we want to live. This is what we want to see happening. But all too often, when I have spoken to people around this idea of, of revival or God coming to meet us, to, to pour His Spirit out upon us and for us to see all of these manifestations and realities uh, uh, that we see all over the years, is actually we tend to do what, what Bono describes. And he, he says the following. Those of you that don't know Bono, he's the lead singer for U2. Uh, he shares a birthday with me, so he's a really cool guy. Um, <laughs> That's his only real claim to fame is we share a birthday. <laughs> it's because of me that people know about Bono. But um, so he says the following. He says, we should stop asking God to bless what you're doing, but find out what God's doing because it's already blessed. Instead of asking God to bless, Lord, here's our thing. This is what we think should happen. Please, Lord, can you bless? Can you pour out your spirit? Can you bring revival to what we're doing, actually God's saying, no, I'm already doing something. From the beginning of, of all time, God has always been at work, and it's our responsibility to find out what God is doing, and then get on board with His mission, with His purpose, with His plan, because what happens when we do that is we find ourselves walking in the blessing of God. Remember I spoke to you about how do I, you and I walk in the perfect will of God? You've been hearing me this, saying this over and over. The way that I experience and, and come to know the perfect will of God is I give myself faithfully to the general, the good, the pleasing will of God. If I live my life in that space, I will always find myself looking back and saying, wait a minute, I've been walking in the perfect will of God. And so we're going to be working through the book of Jonah together, and I want to just help us see there's, there's always two, two schools of thought when it comes to revival. We, having spent some time in, in, in Potchefstroom, uh, what was interesting for me to see uh, in the city of Potchefstroom, because they have the, the Reformed Church's you know, theological school is there, that's their headquarters, that's the place where people come from all over the world to come and study Reformed theology. So Reformists, their view of bringing transformation in the world is actually saying, we have been, you know, all of us have been predestined, that's what they believe, um, and so God's already chosen those who would come to know Jesus. And the way that we bring transformation to the world is not necessarily by having an encounter with God or necessarily even proclaiming the gospel, but actually we getting involved in society. So therefore, we're involved in social justice efforts. We're involved with, with you know, cleaning the streets. We're involved in, in different sectors of society. We make sure that we, we are the best doctors, lawyers, and advocates and different people in our sphere of influence that we bring God's gospel there through our actions. It's like James says, you know, you come together and then you, 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 you say you have faith, but you're not actually living your faith. So the reformers say, no, we're going to live our faith practically. And often what happens in this school of thought is that we end up really in a place of works. I'm trying to earn my way into God's presence because I'm doing good things. Look at all the good things I have, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I come out of a, a, a tradition like that, where often my understanding of the gospel is, oh, okay, God saved me, so now I've got to just continue to keep up my, my levels, you know, my bank account needs to balance, so that at least one day I could say to God, yes, Lord, but remember, I did this, and I did this, and I was involved with that, and that's not necessarily, that's not how God sees it, but others of us can think of uh, this thing of a revival versus 
um, reformists, we were, could be a revivalist thinking, and that thinking is really this. If only we could have an encounter with God. If only God's presence could pour out on our, on our streets and people could just get saved by themselves, just under the power of God. God could show himself to them in dreams and visions. Then our city is going to be transformed. If we could just have a miracle crusade, another opportunity, big gatherings, large crowds of people, under the power and the inspiration of God, miracles happening, then our city is going to be transformed. Now, I, I've been around for a little while. And the little bit that I know is that both of those approaches have truth in them. But I believe God wants us to actually embrace both realities. One is we are fully dependent upon God. God unless God does something and intervenes on a revival scale, His power being poured out, we're not going to see the city transformed or the nation's discipled. But at the same time, if you and I don't get our hands dirty, and I'm not willing to say, Lord, use me in my sphere of influence as a student in my school, as a, as a professional in my workplace, as a mom with my children, as a father leading my family, unless I'm getting my hands dirty to reform, to rechange, to, to bring transformation practically to the world that I'm living in, then, Lord, you're your revival's never going to come. We're never going to see God move in our, on our behalf in that way. And so I want to just touch on a couple of realities of what biblical revival looks like. The first thing is that we see conviction of sin. And this is very important. Friends, our gospel expressed, you know, the good deeds we do or the prayers we pray, pray or the encounters with God, unless there is a conviction of sin that comes I don't believe it's true revival. Many people have said, I've, I've just had an encounter with God, but they, they're not convicted of, of the reality that they've fallen short from God's standard. The second thing is that con conversion happens. So that means that we become Christ followers. We say we're changing our direction. I'm saying that I'm, I'm now no longer living for myself. I'm coming into God's presence. The third thing is that we, give, we, we receive uh, assurance, which means that there is a security in our salvation. True revival happens, not when large crowds come together and we, we can say, yo, 400 people came to know Jesus. Uh, a few years ago, a missions team came to our city. They did, for a month, did um, you know, missions work and preached the gospel and and their testimony was 400 people came to know Jesus. So many people get, got saved. So many people got healed. God brought a revival to our city. And then a few weeks later, I met with some of the pastors within our city. And I asked them, sorry, um, did, did your church grow? Did you have any new people join the church in the last month? Because 400 people came to know Jesus, apparently from this team that had come. But how many have, has your church grown? No, no, we haven't seen any new people coming in. So friends, true revival happens when people are, are, are not just saying, I made a decision, but actually that they remain secure in their salvation. They don't fall away. We see people saved and added in the New Testament. We don't just preach the gospel and say, wow, great, there's a baby born, leave them on the street. But actually we bring them into a family, into a community. We establish them, we love them, we disciple them. So that what they can do what? So that they can become mature. And then do the same for someone else. And then lastly, another, another aspect of biblical revival 
is that there is sanctification that happens, which means that people become like Christ. Friends, and if, you, if anybody had to ever ask you, if you come to your life group this week, or you're coming to City Light Half Time, our prayer time on Tuesday night, or you are just meeting with someone in a coffee shop, and you're discussing something of what God has been doing in your life, or you're coming to a celebration, or you're serving, or you're giving, or you whatever you're doing that's part of your expression of your faith, if someone had to ask you, what's the point of what we're doing? The point, my friends, is that we would become like Jesus. That is the point. It's not so that we can win souls, not so that we can build buildings, so that we can give money, so that we can go to nations. Ultimately, the thing that the measuring stick for us is saying, are we becoming more like Jesus? And that's our prayer for, for me during this series and in this season, friends, can, can God begin to stir in our hearts if that would be the aim of what we would do. That we would trust God to help us become more like Him. Now, I want to just talk through a, a few marks of revival. That's what biblical kind of um, revival looks like, but there are some marks of revival that you and I can know about or can be aware of. The first one is that there is a true gospel emphasis. What do I mean by that? It means, friends, that you and I are focused and the message we carry, the good that we do, is centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Too often, the reformist camps, guys, would bring good deeds and good things, but as they are involved in social justice activities, they never preach the gospel or they actually put the gospel on the side saying, well, I don't want to offend anybody because I am doing some good things. I'm feeding a lot of people. I'm doing some amazing things that are happening in our city. Look, we're fixing the potholes and we are involved in, this, in the orphanages and we're taking care of the widows. We're doing all of these good things, but if at no point we are actually sharing the gospel with people, then we are actually missing completely the reality of bringing revival to our city. You and I need to be proclaiming the gospel, and, and as we will see, the gospel is actually what Jesus came to do for us. And for us as a, as, a, as a church in this season, I'm trusting that God would unlock in us a love and a realization for the gospel, like Paul had. Paul in, in, one, in, um, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, but before I share that, I want to uh, talk to you about our new series this series that we're doing is called Winsome. And this is where, I've, in this passage we're looking at, this is where I got the, I stole the idea. You know, nothing new under the sun. Thank you, Louis Giglio. I learned from you. Um, but Proverbs 11 verse 30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Now, we've just been through a six-week journey of being planted for splendor. So God wants us to be a tree of life. Bearing much fruit. And that part of the bearing that fruit is what we see in Proverbs uh, 11 verse 30. It says, because if we are the tree of life, then we will win souls. Because we will be wise. We'll be seeking out opportunities to do that. And so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 16. He says, for if I preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul is saying, I'm coming into regions, I'm laying down my life, I'm a, I'm a drink offering being poured out. The only thing that matters to me is preaching the gospel. The only thing that I want to do, the good that comes of my life, has to come alongside the preaching of the gospel. 
But then he continues to say in verse 19 to 23, he says, for, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I may win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I may win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I may save some or win some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ is what we proclaim. And in this season, I'm trusting. And as a preaching team and as an eldership team, it's been our desire and it's our prayer for all of us that God would begin to ignite within us a desire to say, Lord, can we win some? Can we be like Paul? There in your workplace, some of you are nurses in the hospital right now. Some of you are running your mechanic shop. Some of you are serving in the finance sector or you are selling cars or whatever you're doing. Can I ask you to begin to think, how can you become a winsome person? A person that says, I want to win some people by being willing to adjust myself, not compromising because Paul says here, I haven't compromised at all. For someone under the law, I became like someone under the law, even though I wasn't under the law. For someone that wasn't under the law, I became a someone that wasn't under the law, but I was under the law of Christ. It's an amazing paradox that happens. Friends, this is something that God has called us to. And I, it is my prayer for us as a church that we would be a people that say, Lord, use us, but let us seek every opportunity to proclaim this gospel that you have given us and that you have called us to. So we want to have a true gospel emphasis. And at the end of this message, I'm going to help you to see what is the gospel and how do I share it. The second aspect uh, or mark of revival is that there is true repentance. Repentance means I'm, I'm on my way in one direction, but now I'm turning 180 degrees, moving in the opposite direction. And I want to speak to some of you that feel like you've been journeying along and you feel like you've gone really far from God and you've messed up a whole lot. And you are afraid that in order to get back to God, you're going to have to make that turn. But oh my goodness. Look at all this mess. Look at all the stuff I've got to work through. Look at all the wrongs I've got to make right. I just don't feel like I, I, I have what it takes to overcome all of these things to get closer to God. But this is the miracle, friends. When you and I turn to God, God meets us right here. He, he overcomes all of our trouble, all of our trials. He says, I'm, I'm going to accept you just as you are, and I'm going to then help you to work through your stuff. Because you're not alone. He takes the lonely and puts them in the family. He takes the broken and puts them back together. Friends, when you and I are willing to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. I'm going to repent. Repentance is not a swear word. And can I say to, the, to us, me, Gareth Bailey included, the things you are struggling with, Christian, that's been saved for 20 years, why are we so reluctant 
to meet with our fellow brothers and sisters and say, listen, I need to repent. I need to repent. I have this thought pattern that recurs and I'm just not gaining victory over it. Why are we so reluctant to share our burdens and our struggles with others? Because when we repent, friends, it's an opportunity for God to bring healing. He says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Let's take the sting out of sin by being willing and eager and, and, and quick to ask for forgiveness and to bring ourselves to repentance. True repentance happens through, uh, during revival. It's one of the marks. We saw this happened with the Korean revival, 1907. A community that was completely um, communist, completely, you know, devoid of God. But God broke through into Pyongyang, Korea. And through that, because as pastors and missionaries came together to pray, to see God, to turn, to repent, God broke through into that nation. And God began to prosper that nation. Obviously, as history tells us, there was separation came between North and South Korea. But if you go to South Korea today, some of the largest churches in the world are there. And God, within a few short years, turned that, com that country from zero Christians to 40% Christians. And they have been sending missionaries all over the world to proclaim the gospel. And friends, you and I can look at that and go, yeah, Lord Jesus, that's amazing. But friends, can I tell you, God has been doing that with us. God has been raising us up, and he's been asking us, because at some point within Clarkstall, some people have said, Lord, we want to repent. We want to turn from our, our wicked ways, and we want to see you come and do what only you can do. Friends, the, the, the next mark of revival is that there is anointed corporate worship. I love our times of worship together. I love the fact that you and I can sing, make melody, but you know that worship is way more than just singing. Worship is coming together. We see this in, in 1 Corinthians 14. Some of you may, may be new to, to City on the Hill, and, and I want to encourage you to obviously pop in at our, our Get Connected straight after the celebration. But um, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul writes, and he says, you know, there's all these different gifts. When you gather together, someone brings a tongue. You're like, whoa, what's a tongue? Wait a minute. It's a heavenly language. Someone speaks it out, and God actually speaks. There's a prophecy, there's a scripture, there's an encouragement. He says, when you're coming together, I want you to, first of all, all of those things need to be done in love. And I'm trusting that as some people have brought some contributions today, if that's what you experience, you experience God's love and God's presence, God speaking to you. And I want to encourage you to not just be a spectator. Oh, wow, look at this nice show. That's nice, eh? I like, like this place. But as can we be like the New Testament believers who would come together saying, Lord, I'm ready. I want to, what are you wanting to say to me? What are you wanting to say to all of us? And you know the beauty of this is, in our context, there's always someone hosting the meeting. And so you never have to feel like, Do I, am I hearing God? Am I not hearing God? Is it last night's pizza? Or is it, <laughs> you know, is it really God? I didn't really know what's going on. There's, there are people Leaders here that will help you weigh some of those realities. And so the, the buck, your responsibility and my responsibility is to come ready to share what God has said. And it's on the responsibility of the leaders to then weigh and facilitate that. And I'm going to encourage us that we, that would be our reality, that we would continue to see God's anointed worship flowing from us. God's given us two prophetic, very key prophetic words over our church. 
over our worship and over our kids' ministry. And friends, if there was ever two areas in the life of our church that we've over the years seen God um, you know, bless, but also that we've seen great resistance, it's been those two areas. And I want to ask you, can you pray with us? We've been investing. We've got a great team of, of people involved with Ignite. And we're trusting the Lord to continue to build step by step within our kids' ministry as well as our worship friends. I'm trusting the Lord that He would take us from strength to strength as He continues to do that. But we've got to contend for it together, and I want to encourage us to do that. The fourth um, mark of, of, of revival is that there is always church growth. You know, I've, I've heard so many people like, Lord Jesus, pour out your spirit, bring, bring your power, bring your presence. And then we get upset. This place is getting, someone's sitting in my seat now. They took my parking. Ah, the, so, so me, someone missed the coffee and the tea again. I got to the toilets and it was busy. I had to wait to get in there. Friends, can we be a church like the New Testament church? In the book of Acts, verse nine, verse 30, uh, chapter 9, verse 31, it says, So the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Friends, multiplication always happens when we see a move of God. And we've, over the years, consistently seen God multiply us. And in this season, coming out of COVID, I loved what Sharia was sharing with us. Just saying that God wants us to bounce back. There's, I know for many of us, we felt like uh, so depleted, so tired. So like, it's like, I just don't have energy anymore. I bump into people all the time. They say to me, yes, and I know they, they, they used to be here. Some of you are watching right now. I hope you come to the building. Come and enjoy this with us. Be a part of the community. Get into a life group. Connect. Because as we do that, friends, God doesn't want us to just keep it to ourselves. That's what I, I've, I've just seen so many Christians. Now I love Jesus. Now I love him. So are you sharing Jesus with anybody? Is this actually something that's worth inviting someone to? And I, I just love it. I, I just, the other day, Uncle Connie sitting in the front here. The other day, Uncle Connie brought a friend of his. He had purchased a vehicle, a car from him. And I met him in the car park. And Uncle Connie said to me, this is, this is my friend Dennis. I just met him as I was buying this car from him. And I invited him to come to church with me. Can we be like Uncle Connie? Who's looking at every opportunity saying, this is someone that needs Jesus. He needs encouragement. He needs community. I'm going to bring him. I'm going to be like those, those four friends that helped their lame friend and said, no, we're going to carry. Oh, we can't get into the door. No, no, no. Let's break through the roof. My friend needs to get to Jesus. Can we be a, a church like that? And lastly, friends, that there is the fifth mark of revival is that there is extraordinary prayer that takes place. And I love our church because we are a people that pray every Friday there's a community that prays for 24 hours, from 6 a.m. in the morning till 6 a.m. on Saturday morning. Every single week, there's a community that's praying. Every single week, there's a community that's praying on a Tuesday night at our halftime, praying together, worshiping, breaking bread together, enjoying God's presence together. In our light groups, we're praying. Before our celebrations, we're praying. And our prayers are not just prayers like, oh, wonderful, you know, Thank you, Lord Jesus. I often have to tell my children as I'm teaching them, okay, okay now we're going to pray for the food, but let's not go through the, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the days, uh, you know, for the food. You know. 
like, let's not go through all the little motions. And I, I was so encouraged this week, and Malcolm was sharing with our, with our staff just about when we're praying, um, someone encouraged him about just spending three minutes blessing Jesus. Just, just blessing him. Lord, you are so good. You're so kind. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for who you are. Try and do that. I, I sat last night, uh, this morning actually, I'm, I'm like processing this message. And I'm like trying to pray. And every now and then I'm like, where, where, where did I get? How did I get here? My brain just, we're so, we're so overloaded. And can we just take a moment to pray? Now, this morning when you walked in, you got a special gift. Did you get, all get a, a little light bulb? I had a bright idea this week. Yeah, there, spot on, spot on there, spot on, there we go. So all of you received, if you didn't receive a, a light bulb, they, they are, our team of ushers are, are ready to quickly give it to you. But I, the reason why I, received, I gave you a light bulb is because I believe God wants to bring revival. He wants to bring multiplication to us as a church and to every church in our city. I want every church to be packed to the fullest capacity. I don't care if it's the, the end here, the is the... I, I don't care which one it is. If they're preaching the gospel, I want people to be saved and added to a community. That's my prayer. But friends, we're going to start practically. You've received the little light bulb. We are the light of the world. We've been called to be salt and light in this world. And each and every one of us have been given this little light bulb. And this light bulb for me would represent the person that you're praying for, maybe even a whole family. That colleague at work, you know, just whenever he arrives, the vocab is amazing. Limited, limited. Because it's filled with the same words. You know, repeat. With other words in between. The proper words. And you're like, oh, Jesus, this person needs you. There's a family member you've been praying for for years. You don't know this. Some of you don't know this. But under this carpet... We wrote down names of people, and some of you, your names are written on this floor because God, God saved you because someone prayed for you. And in this season, we're going to be praying for those who are far from God to become the light of Christ. And so I don't know where you, where you have your prayer time. I don't know if, you, if it's at your coffee machine. This is probably going to be on top of my coffee machine because that's the, one of the first places I go to in the morning. <laughs> you might keep it in your pocket. Wherever you have, but can we in the season be trusting the Lord? But can we take it a step further? To my right, there's a, there's a blank board at the moment. And we are going to be writing the words, Jesus is life. But then we're going to fill that sign with light sockets. And every single time, one of these people that we're praying for comes to know Jesus. We're going to add a light bulb. And that slowly but surely, over the next while, I'm trusting that it goes quickly because there's going to be a lot of lights up there. <laughs> Every single time someone comes to know Jesus in one of our celebrations, or someone in your life group gives their life to Jesus, or we just catch wind of someone that's come to know Jesus, we're going to add a light bulb. We're trusting that that person may even be the one that adds the light bulb. And we're going to put that sign up at the door, front door, as you arrive, so that for the next season, every single time we come together, we will be reminded that Jesus is life and he's called us to be light. And as we do that together, as we win some people together in this season, friends, I'm trusting 
that slowly but surely, Jesus' life will become brighter and brighter and brighter. And friends, that's my prayer. I'm trusting that we would seek God together in this way, that we would be intentional. And like I said, this series is all about the book of Jonah. We're going to be working through each chapter each week. And now I've said a lot already, and now you're like, well, Gareth, now you're going to go to the book of Jonah, first chapter? Yes, let's quickly go there. And I'm going to just quickly highlight a few things, because you're going to be in your life group this week. You're going to have some time to spend together, and I wanted to just highlight a few key things from this first chapter. Because in the life of Jonah, uh, I've been reading this book, and as a preaching team, we've been reading this book called Prodigal Prophet by Tim Keller. It's based on this book. And I want to encourage you, if you can, get your hands on it. It's a really, really good read. What challenged me the most is not so much the, the sinful sailors or the Nineveh that needed to be saved. It's the heart of Jonah. Because my heart's just like Jonah. I'm just like Jonah. It says in the first verse of chapter 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose and flee, to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. I want to just really pause there. First of all, friends, you and I need to understand that Jonah was a prophet, a known prophet of God. In 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 23, we see he was a prophet um, to, to the king of Joseph, uh, uh, sorry, uh, now I'm, of, uh, what is his, um, I'll have to page there now, for, for some reason I wrote it down, I was like, why didn't I write it down, um, well he was the second king, I can't remember now, right now, but yeah, I, I can just page there, let me just do that, all of you are in such suspense, you're like, come on Gareth, now you've got to know which one it is, man. <laughs> Let me, let me just help us all out here, out of our, old, our misery here. There we go. Two Kings. Two Kings, chapter 14. A blonde moment here for me. At least we have the Bible and I have a note down. So I did read it. I did prepare. Um, chapter 23. It says, In the 15th month, year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, the king of Judah, Jeroboam the second. Jeroboam. There we go. Something with a J. So he, he was the king, jo Jonah was a prophet to him, and Jonah actually prophesied that for four generations, Jeroboam, his, his descendants, um, of Jehu actually, his descendants would be on the throne, would be secure. He's, this is the third generation. So here's a man who knows God's voice. He's experienced God's power. God speaks to him and he runs the other way. Friends, can we not be like Jonah, having experienced God's voice and have heard his call and then run the other way. I love the fact that I'm saved. I love the fact that God's, I'm part of God's chosen people. But those poofy sinners in Nineveh can go to hell because I'm at least secure in my life with God. Can we not be like that, friends? Can we love God and obey Him, be willing to say, Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to run the other way. I'm going to let my light shine. Because friends, if we look at the, the Great Commission, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. 
That is a command that's given to us. And just like God commands Jonah to, to go to Nineveh, He is commanding us and has commanded us to make disciples. And so if, us, if we don't make disciples, we're just like Jonah, saying, Lord, I'm going to go the other way. And before God, I don't want to be that person. I don't want us to be a people like that. I don't want us to be in that place. We don't want to run away from God's presence. We want to be people of God's presence, that carry His presence wherever we go. But then, friends, there's a couple of things that happen on Jonah's journey. And this, I want you to see this. Jonah runs away, gets on this boat, and God sends a massive storm upon these sailors. And some of you have experienced some storms in your life, and the, 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 the reason why you're experiencing those storms is because someone else has been disobedient. So many times we ask, why me, God? Why is this happening? And we're actually just caught up in someone else's disobedience and God's desire to bring that person back to God. So these sailors, innocent, had done nothing wrong, but God uses the storm to reveal himself to them. But he ultimately wants to speak to you and I. And if we look at a true revival, God wants us to, to actually make awakened, sleepy Christians. He wants us to awaken. Because Jonah's in the bottom of the boat, having a lacquer dose. He's sleeping. But part of the reason why he's sleeping, one commentator once said, have you ever been, been so, you know, worn out? Like you actually just need a way of escape. So under pressure. Partly it's just because you're realizing, yes, I feel like I'm just not doing everything I'm supposed to do, and I'm, I'm actually being really disobedient. And you just go and have, just want to sleep. I just want to get away from everything. And that's kind of what Jonah did. He forced himself into this deep sleep because he knew he was being disobedient. And friends, God wants you and I to wake up today. He wants us to wake up so that we can share with the people around us. Because what happens, friends, these sailors, they throw off their cargo. They are keen to, to just allow themselves to actually sacrifice themselves because of someone else's disobedience. And in the midst of that, they wake um, Jonah up and they ask him these questions. He says, they ask him, what is your occupation? This is in verse um, 8. Where have you come from and what is your country and of what people are you? Friends, People are going to look at your life and my life, and at some point they're going to ask us, who are you, where do you come from, and who do you belong to? And some of us will say, no, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. But when someone looks at our lives, we're like, yes, but you're cheating on, on business deals. You're not integrous in what you say you're going to do. God wants us to live a life that shines His light. Not perfect, the side of heaven, I don't think it's possible but in humility, allowing ourselves to be expressed, for us to actually live out our true identity. And then it says that they were, these sailors were exceedingly afraid. And this is an amazing reality, friends, that you and I, when, I, when we begin to share the gospel with people, when the storms of life begin to swell around people, we have an opportunity to stand up and say, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm someone that I know the, the voice of the Lord. I know I have the word of the Lord with me, and I am willing to share with you the redemption that God would bring. And then, friends, this is a, this is a powerful thing that just jumped out at me. 
in, in verse 11, it says, They said to him, What shall we do? Peter right, preaches the, the gospel on the book of, in the book of Acts in chapter 2. And the people's response is, once he preaches the gospel, they say, what must we do? And he says to them, repent, be baptized, be filled with the Spirit, be added to a local church. That is the question that the world's going to ask us, but we need to be able to answer it. But friends, what's, what happens towards the end of this first um, chapter is that we actually see, remember Jesus said that he would be a fulfillment of the sign of Jonah. His cross his crucifixion, his death and resurrection three days later in the belly of the fish, in the belly of, of death, Christ would rise up again. He's the sign of Jonah, the same sign. Look at what happens here. These sailors realize that they're in the hands of an angry God, a, a wrathful God, a God that needs to receive full atonement for the sins that have taken place. And Jonah is a picture of Jesus. Jonah says, no, you're not, going to, you're not going to suffer consequence. You're not going to die, but throw me overboard. I'm willing to die so that you may live. And Jesus steps in, as we see with Jonah. And what happens is these sailors, they hear these words, and they're like, no, 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 no. Don't worry, we're going to try a little bit harder. We're just going to row a bit more. Let's get, a, let's get rid of some more stuff. Friends, many people hear the gospel and, they, and the gospel is put your faith in Jesus and allow Jesus to pay for your sin. Receive free, free forgiveness. But then what they say is, no, 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 no. I'm going to try a little bit harder. I'm going to work at it a little bit more. I don't need Jesus. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of myself. I'll get through the storms. But Jesus is saying, no. Just let me die for you. Receive my forgiveness. And if you're far from God today, that's my prayer for you. That you'd receive Christ's forgiveness today, that you'd experience His gospel being outworked, saying it's because of the finished work of what Jesus has done that you and I may live. Because as we see with Jonah, he doesn't die. God provides the belly of a fish. And just like Jesus, Jesus doesn't die. God provides three days in the tomb so that on the third day, He would rise. Jonah would be actually, you know, washed up on the beach so that he can eventually then go and preach the gospel to Nineveh. And for us, friends, Jesus came to live a sinless life so that he could come into the storms of our lives so that he can bring us into redemption and salvation. And I want to encourage us that we would, that, that would be the gospel we share. That's the gospel we share, friends. We understand that all of us have fallen short. All of us have sinned. All of us have messed up in some way. But just like I said, even though it might feel like I've got to work through all of these things, we are not alone in that. And as we preach the gospel, as we shine our light, as we allow God's work and word to work in and through us, that we would understand that God has called us. We were born for revival. You and I, if you're breathing breath today, and you are a follower of Jesus. Revival comes through you and I. But it comes through our obedience. It comes through our prayer. It comes through our worship. It comes through our love. It comes through our willingness to say, Lord, I'm yielding myself, not for my own good. Because I'm willing to become all things to all men. That by all means, 
I may win some. And so I want to just pray for us today. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your gospel is powerful and effective, Lord. And I pray even as, as some of us are just thinking about these little light, light bulbs, Lord, in our hands, in our pockets. Lord, I pray for these men and women, these families that are represented, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would come to know you, Jesus. I, Lord, I pray that each person would come to experience the power of, of, of Jesus, the saving power of Jesus. And I want to ask you today, if you are here today and you've been far from God and, and your light is off, you are devoid from God, the storms of life are hitting you and you are in need of salvation, can I ask you to be bold, just as everybody's eyes are closed, to raise your hand there where you're sitting. I'd love to just pray with you and give you the best start to your journey with Jesus. If that's you today, please raise your hand. We'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to put your faith in Jesus, perhaps for the first time, or make a recommitment, you're welcome to do that now. Is there anyone here today like that? Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.